Hey everyone, welcome to a special bonus episode of Concessions on Saw X. We wanted to create a different format for a quote-unquote bonus episode so that we could chat about films that are currently in the theater quickly after their release in a slightly more informal way so we could release it to you guys while it's still kind of the the talk of the town, if that makes sense. Uh, the idea is to give it the same feeling that when you go see a film with a friend and you're chatting about it on the way home based on your initial impressions. Uh, going forward, we'll be periodically throwing in these bonus episodes here and there when a new release comes out that we just subjectively decide like, oh, this one we have enough to talk about and we're, we seem excited enough about it. And we really want to just hop on real quickly and do a more impromptu conversation. Feel free to give us a shout about how you liked or disliked this sort of bonus episode format. Uh, you can find me on X at Dan Concedes and Jared can be found at Threads at Jared Concessions. And without further ado, let's jump right into a nice little bonus episode where we get grisly and sludgy with Kevin Grudert's Saw X. Hello, and welcome to Concessions. I am Dan. Hello, Dan. I want to play a game. Every week, you broadcast your voice to the internet, judging movies made by hardworking filmmakers. Now it is you who will be judged. You must talk about the Saw franchise for the next 90 minutes. No, 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 if no, no, you, no, 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 no need to. If you fail to do so. Basically, nothing will happen, and we'll probably go way off the rails on this episode. <laughs> and I'm Jared. <laughs> Fooled ya. You thought I was Jigsaw. I even thought it was Jigsaw. I was pretty frightened. Yeah, and you saw me the whole time with my my shirt over my mouth. And well, I don't uh, have object permanence, so you know it was kind of tough for me. Oh, peekaboo! <laughs> <laughs> and it's sad. Both both of my babies now both have object permanence. They don't think my old sillies are as funny as they once did. Got well, sad. much like a tenth movie in a franchise, you got to keep upping the ante over and over, or else it gets I, the yeah. other one. I need to have 10 kids, I guess. And then the 10th one will be the best one. <laughs> but also the 10th one has to be the second one somehow as well. Yeah, exactly. And just ignore most of the others, <laughs> which I fully plan on doing. Uh, so, uh, if you guys didn't realize we are doing Saw X, or as I've been calling it for the last like three weeks, Socks. I've been practicing my uh, Boston accent calling it socks over and over not socks with my chicago accent i've been calling it saw 10 and uh but my favorite name for this movie is uh people on the internet sometimes refer to it as saw twitter <laughs> and i find that i find that wonderful uh the other thing i like to think about is if this movie were upside down or backwards it would look like xmas <laughs> Uh, Perfect holiday. They really should have leaned into that and made a uh, a, a holiday themed saw. Like usually, by the time you're this many movies deep, like you're doing silly ones, like Jason goes to Manhattan and shit like that. Like, get, have some fun with it. Yeah. Well, or Jason X, Jason in space. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah that I think that is the potentially the progenitor of calling your tenth movie blank X. And we'll talk about how this movie stacks up to you know a lot of late stage horror franchise entries including that one uh before we do that though dan what's uh what's something you watched or read or or, or took in this week that you just absolutely love uh yeah so if it's october as we all know the uh, recording date here is october 5th so i've kicked off my uh, exclusive rules of only horror books only horror movies getting extra uh spooky the whole time and uh for me uh an early one i think I, on the second i watched it was a classic called the cremator which has been one that's been kind of always sitting on my list as like a oh i want to watch this if i'm really in the mood to really lock in on this or save it for an october or something like that and i want to say last year i wanted to watch it and it might just like might not have been readily available where this year i checked out if it was available it's on the criterion channel so i gave it a watch and yeah, that one really lives up to its reputation. So just the basic bones of it is it was made by a Holocaust survivor that was living in Czechoslovakia. And he made a film about this like 
pretty pathetic, self-important man. Uh, and he's a cremator uh, as a profession. And you see him sort of start adopting Nazi ideology and you start connecting the dots. Like it was literally like 40 minutes into the movie when I finally realized like, oh, this guy burns human remains for a living and the Germans are interested in him. And that got like that really, really sunk into my skin. And uh, just the portrayal of this actor on screen is doing incredible stuff of just giving you the ick the entire time. And it really digs you into the mind of someone that like between a combination of like opportunism of a mild genuine belief and also just this this just sick twisting of a sense of service to humanity that serves like totalitarian governments, fascist governments. Um, and you see him like essentially latch onto that where there's really no character development. It's more just his character that's already there, find something to latch onto, which is Nazi ideology. And it's just really gross to watch. Uh, highly recommend. <laughs> we don't, we don't do movies on this podcast that are gross to watch. <laughs> well, admittedly, no gore, no like nothing violent. There, there no, that's hard to say because there's a lot. This also was a movie that was banned for like twenty years uh, under uh, the, the the government at the time. Um, and there are like there's a lot of nudity. There's a lot of like just body parts, but they're clearly like not in the way that saw shows body parts they're, they're kind of more artistically spliced it's very hard to to explain exactly but uh yeah just a really nauseating watch wow all right well i will uh i'll consider it when i'm in the mood to be nauseated uh i watched a movie that was less nauseating but probably less interesting also um uh, a new movie that's getting a lot of buzz on uh on hulu right now called no one will save you mm. which was it was it was an interesting movie it in in a lot of ways it was very derivative of a lot of different horror thrillers signs comes to mind but maybe that's just because it's like an alien home invasion movie but the hook on this one is that it is almost completely devoid of dialogue in the 90 minutes there's something like five lines are uttered in the movie so just as as an exercise of telling a story just via action um, where there still is quite a bit of character development a lot of twists and turns a lot of surprises a lot of reveals about the characters definitely successful um i was a little underwhelmed just by the total package but i i definitely appreciated the artistry involved and the ambition for sure and if you're ever in the mood for just something that is really th thrilling, just really taut, suspenseful thriller with some halfway decent character development and, and a good performance by uh, Caitlin Deaver in the in the main role, it's an unusual movie in a lot of ways. Hmm. And uh, definitely, since it's Spooktober and folks are just mainlining horror films, why not make this one of the 31 movies that you watch this month? <laughs> Yeah, so that kind of reminds me of the conceit of like a quiet place. Uh, would that be fair to compare it to? Yeah, I think that there's um, a massive amount of quiet place influence in this movie. But the quiet place is full of dialogue, even if a lot of it is is signed and not spoken. Okay, yeah, that's true. Um, yeah, uh, this movie has far less dialogue than a quiet place. Huh? Yeah, that could be. You know how like. Uh... When I'm when I'm like mainlining horror films, like every once in a while you want to do one that isn't just like an absolute pillar or titan that you really need to like lock in and like take notes on and really digest where it's like, oh, this is just going to be a good, as you said, taut thriller that is going to be a fun ride for about 90 minutes to two hours. Exactly. Yeah, I enjoyed it. Um, definitely don't want to come across like I'm knocking it. It's not the type of movie we would do an episode on. Uh, it would be pretty short as this one probably will be. As well. Unlike, you know. <laughs> the high art that we do on episodes like this one. Listen, we're going to spend an hour and 15, an hour and 20 minutes discussing 10 movies today. So, <laughs> and away we go. Uh, we're going to talk about, as Dan previously mentioned, Saw X slash Saw 10 slash Socks slash Upside Down Xmas slash Saw Twitter. It is directed by franchise veteran Kevin Grutert. 
who previously edited almost every single other Saw movie. He directed Saw 6 and Saw 3D. Uh, so uh, there, there's a lineage that happens in these Saw movies. A lot of the filmmakers return many times over. Um, I think Darren Lynn Bousman directed like four of these movies. Um, Josh Stolberg, who penned the script, also wrote Jigsaw and Spiral. And I got to just throw this out there. Pretty massive improvement for his his third entry in the franchise. I guess third time's a charm for, for Josh Stolberg. Uh, the movie stars Tobin Bell and Shawnee Smith in their, at this point, classic roles in these movies. And a bunch of other people who are on the chopping block. <laughs> Dan, we usually have like a very uh, kind of tightly organized a template that we follow for these episodes or outline that we have for this episode. We decided to just raw dog this one because <laughs> what's the fun in, you know, being meticulous about the 10th movie in a, a horror franchise that started off kind of trashy, you know? <laughs> so Dan, go, go right ahead, man. Spill your guts. Oh, that, uh, no pun intended there on this. I, in- I intended that. <laughs> um, yeah. So, I mean, if I want, I'll vaguely go into like previous history with this where I didn't touch a single, actually, this is a very fun story, uh, but I didn't touch a single saw film. Uh, It's kind of why I didn't like horror movies growing up or why I wasn't allowed to watch them because my mom was just aware of like the torture porn thing that was kicking up and saw, of course, is the flagship of that. So it's like, you will never watch anything with that name whatsoever. And, you know, normally for teenagers, I'd be like, oh, well now I have to see it. But I remember it like played at a sleepover one time. It I don't know which one it was, um, but it just like didn't look interesting to me. So it didn't titillate me. But I did once watch it in high school in a gym class uh, because we were uh, in a like a cardio unit where we basically were just like all on treadmills running for like 40 minutes. And there's this big screen in the background. And our teacher towards the end of the semester was like, hey, if you want to like bring in something you know, we've been playing the same like three DVDs over and over. I'm getting bored of them. If anyone brings any, bring in anything, go for it. And he's this older guy. He doesn't know what the software franchise is. <laughs> Some fucking psychopath brought in, I believe it was Saw 4, and just threw it on. And it kicked off like normal enough. And then after the first trap, or it might be, I forget which one specifically, if it's Saw 4 or not. I think it's Saw 4. You guys can correct me if it is. But where the first trap, it's a woman with... um it's basically like clamps in her sternum and she fails and it rips her ridge rib cage open. And that's what I'm watching while I'm running on the treadmill. And I'm like this, I want nothing to do with this. And of course, afterward, the, the teacher saw this. Oh, what is this? Get, get, get rid of it. Um, so that had been my only real experiences with the Saw franchise uh, until for some reason last year. And Jared, I don't even we were we had been talking quite a bit at this point. Uh, I have no idea why I decided to do this, but last October for Spooktober, I just mainlined all nine existing saws within, I think, about five days, just straight into my brain, where at first I was going to go one saw a day for nine days and just kind of make a thing of it. But I was hating them so much, but I was so committed to getting it done that I was then doing, I think the last day I, I just did all th- like the last three in a day. I'm like, fuck these. I want these in the uh, rear view mirror. <laughs> and of wow. course, uh, spiral is by far the worst of all of them. So I just ended with yeah. like, like the filth, like filth's definition of filth. I'm like, I am so glad this yeah. is the rear view mirror. Well, yeah, Spiral's the worst one, closely followed by Jigsaw, I would say. And <laughs> Saw 3D is not, you know, it's no Citizen Kane itself, you know. <laughs> um, the what the one that you saw in gym class, by the way, is Saw 3. Mm. Uh, I remember that one very well because it does have some of the best traps. That one, that one's one of the better ones, I would say, but not not the best one. I'll talk. Well, we'll, we'll just talk about our favorite traps at some point. My history with saw is maybe a little bit more complicated than that when the first one came out i think i was 16 and i was very very hyped for it oh let me Uh, set the record i like saw like the original saw in and of itself is a good movie i enjoyed it and then as with most people like two is silly but fine and then it just starts tumbling down the hill 
yeah, well, let's look at end up kind of ranking them best we can, uh, even though we'll probably it sounds like we're going to have the same ranking. But um, I was so hyped for Saw 1. I w- at the time, I was at my most dialed in to um, just like horror hype, kind of following the upcoming releases, just living online as far as like reading reviews and engaging in conversation about horror movies. Uh, I didn't miss any horror movies that came out in any kind of meaningful like you know wide wide fashion and saw was definitely one that got a lot of hype before it came out i remember watching the trailer and the trailer freaked me out um i knew that it was you know it was a short film that had gotten picked up by this like really really promising australian director and writing team and i saw it and uh I kind of loved it, even though I remember even back then thinking that it was rough around the edges, that um, Lee Wanell, the writer of the movie, who's a fantastic writer-director, uh, cannot act at all. And it was just like kind of brought that first movie down quite a bit, even though like Carrie always kind of classes it up, you know, in all of those scenes, just like the excellence of Carrie Elwes and the like clearly not a real actor, Lee Wanell in that first movie is like weird to watch, but I loved it. Like the twist at the end of that movie We're oh, by the way, we're going to spoil every saw movie that we talk <laughs> about. So don't listen to this. If you, that's not your thing, but like the twist at the end of the first saw movie is, I would say legitimately shocking and Excellent. really, yeah. and really neat. And thinking about it now in this context where now John Kramer is, has been the main character, like protagonist of the series for decades kind of kind of you know you can't really that pull that that twist doesn't exist anymore obviously but at the time just like watching that movie you don't know who jigsaw is at all like you have no idea like it shows shows john kramer like in the hospital bed like early in the movie like what a just a fantastic twist and then uh, i I remember going to see it again like just a few days later because i was so into it and then yeah saw two fine it's fun uh saw three i remember being particularly like skeeved out by it like squirming in my seat like all the traps in saw three i think still to this day are the the worst in you know as in like the the most grotesque most gruesome yeah probably the best right right and then uh saw four i was so over or underwhelmed by uh i never i never saw five six seven in the movie theaters and then like years later a buddy of mine found out that I'd never seen five, six and seven. So he made me like marathon all of them. So kind of like you did at one point, I watched saws one through seven in like a week. <laughs> and then, yeah, I saw jigs on the theater, saw spiral in the theater. Both of those movies are awful. I remember spiral in particular watching the trailer and my wife's there. And I'm like, I bet you anything that driver Nick is the killer. And it's because like his dad got killed by jigsaw or something. And, uh, then I saw the movie and lo and behold, driver Nick is the killer because his dad got killed by Jigsaw <laughs> or something. And uh, man, that movie just got made because Chris Rock wanted to. Like he's like, man, I could do a Saw movie. That sounds fun. And then just like this random spinoff that's bad even by Saw standards comes out. And uh, here we are at Saw 10, which I think uh, even uh, even if our feelings about it are mixed or at best, it is probably objectively the best saw movie other than maybe the first one yeah um yeah and just maybe it's fair to sit our our rankings and our discussion of quality only within the saw universe we're going to couch these as uh let's pretend these are the only 10 movies that exist and keep them out of the rest of all cinematic conversation we're judging saw only on saw's terms i suppose is the uh this is saw talk um but yeah i agree where i would put uh saw 10 socks um at least up with one and two, yeah, uh, like one, two, and ten. Which I mean, that's surprising that you know you have <laughs> what uh, basically seven duds, and then you come back to form. So they did something right. Yeah, that, it's quite a challenge to to kind of reel it back in like that. Yeah, and you know, and uh, it's clear that that was the intention, given that this movie serves as a bridge between Saw One and Saw Two narratively. 
And they really crushed it by actually taking it back to the basics. Because at a certain point, like in Saw, like, I mean, every single Saw movie has a big twist, right? The first one set the tone on that with an excellent twist. And then it became just masturbatory, just trying to one up, you know, oh, we need a bigger and more convoluted twist every time or I can't come. And uh, <laughs> like, and it got so fucking just impenetrable with like, oh my God, I have to have like recently seen the first six for me to really appreciate the twist in the seventh one. That's nonsense. And it, it all became so convoluted with the timelines, a bunch of gotchas with the timelines. All of them are all out of order in weird ways, even within one movie, just like, it, you know, the quasi Christopher Nolan time fuckery. This movie is just goes right back to the basics of like this here's a coherent story with a beginning middle and end it it stars characters that if you like these movies you already care about it has the aesthetics that if you like like these movies you're already gonna like and let's just you know try to take it back to basics and they, they nailed it like they just they just nailed it yeah uh yeah i mean i think given the the writing challenges, which I think there are, there are two main challenges, where how do you make a tenth Saw movie, but also a second Saw movie at the same time? I I think it would have been difficult to make something. Of, well, I mean, there's a few things here and there, but like, who am I to judge? Uh, it's I think it, it gave the best finished product that it could have been given the uh, the parameters that it had to obey. Um, there, there are some critiques I have of it. Uh, I, there are a lot of critiques I have of it, but uh, a lot of them almost can't be helped because you are shoving it in the number two slot where you can't fix things that are um, how do, like the problem persists in, you know, sauce two, three, four, five. So you can't fix it in two or in one, right. five, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Clearly not. But if you, if you're going into this movie, just expecting, a high quality or like a relatively high quality saw movie you're definitely not going to be disappointed well and and yeah that, that's what um i always thought was really interesting about saw compared to a lot of other horror franchises or franchises in general where you have much more experience in like going all the way in on uh franchises is like somewhere at some point i'm sure some media critic actually knows what this number is but there's a certain amount of movies when you get to a certain number of sequels, requels, legacy sequels, prequels, blah, 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 blah. Like, it all starts to get a little silly. And mm -hmm. usually the tone reflects that. And, like, everyone involved is kind of having a little more fun. It's a little campier. It's a little less self-serious. Um, and Saw definitely does get sillier. Like, especially the first one compared to the rest of them. Like, they're so obviously convoluted that there's no way that no one's kind of in on the joke. Um, but at the same time, even with those parameters, like Saw takes itself pretty seriously the whole time. And I think that sucks a lot of the fun that you could have. Like, okay, let's think about another franchise that just had an X in it, it was Fast X. And oh, yeah. boy, was that a silly, silly movie. But like, that's exactly what it needs to be. Yeah. Well, I, I think I agree that Saw got sillier over time but maybe never quite reached the like you know immediate like purposely grabbing for intentional camp and fun i don't i don't know if i need that from these movies but i will say that like if you're going to make a 10th installment and you've already established decades ago that your main character is a person who is dying of cancer and is always getting screwed over by the healthcare system, getting taken advantage of because of his illness. And he's literally like a, you know, a, a misguidedly self-righteous angel of death. I don't know if you're going to extract much intentional camp or silliness from your premise. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's true. And that's, that is something about the whole, franchise as a whole and especially earlier in it it has this problem and and like it can't be fixed with 1.5 or else it just the rest of the films would make even less sense than they already do um where a lot you know the basic conceit especially in the first one it carries it's a running theme for all of them where the reason why you get the best way to get yourself into a saw trap is to not appreciate your life enough or properly or in in a way that john kramer uh perceived you should be 
and some of them it, it makes some sense or at least you can see within his own like twisted serial killer logic um but then some of them are like they're just kind of you know victims of late capitalism or crumbling yeah. infrastructure or things like that like uh like shawnee smith's character for example <clears throat> has uh like drug use issues and that's like she doesn't need a reverse bear trap. She needs like medical attention and help. Right. Uh, that's what would get her life back on trap track, but uh, on trap, a <laughs> little Freudian. Slip uh, um, and, and you see that same thing come up again in this, uh, in saw 1.5 where one of the victims is a drug addict and you hear Shawnee Smith kind of say in passing, like, Hey, like, shouldn't we like have like, a smidge of empathy for this yeah. woman like she's clearly not on the same uh level of moral depravity as the the lady that's running this whole scam and everything like that and jigsaw just pretty much was like nope don't care we're gonna jigsaw our ass anyways um because yeah. like he can't have a change of heart right there it's technically the second movie so like it's way too it's way too early for that kind of switch but it's like an interesting thing that they're starting to recognize that oh and uh my my favorite, well, least favorite, but favorite in just like how misguided or muddled the the morality of John Kramer and the 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 films in general are is was the man who got put into a saw trap because he tried to, to take his own life, and that was John Kramer's like impetus. Like, oh, this guy doesn't appreciate his life enough. Where it's like, this guy doesn't need a needle pit or a giant like guillotine over his head. Like, he needs supports. Like. John, this is not going to get the job done. Like, read, I don't know, like, study up on some, like, mental health journals or psychology journals or something. This might help it. So instead of putting all your time and money in convoluted uh, bear traps or something like that, like, I don't know, maybe start a clinic. I don't know. John Kramer is not a psychologist. He's a life coach. (laughs) The best joke in the whole movie. Big laugh for me. (laughs) The only jokes in the movie. Um, I have a theory. I think that perhaps why you're not having so much fun with these movies is because it seems to me that you are considering the morality of them. <laughs> yeah, I mean that is a that is a problem. Is I like I'm bringing my my brain into the movie where I should probably not, be, no, not a good idea. I'd probably be scooping it out and putting into a vat of like acid or something and having it go into a elaborate uh, vial that then drops down, releases a key so that then I can exit the movie. Um, but yeah, I am. I did do that. I have that problem. Um, and you know, there's plenty of movies I like that are just like silly, fun times, like a lot of, um, you know, your Friday 13th or your nightmare on Elm streets where especially now they're kind of just good, can't be fun. Um, but I think that's the problem is that like the the tone of the movie takes itself so seriously and it's so melodramatic and it's so, yeah. I don't want to call it earnest, but like, I mean, the visuals are so gory and extreme that the, you kind of need, you, you need something to justify why any of this shit is happening. <laughs> yeah. And me, I don't at all buy into um jigsaw and amanda as the protagonists like at the end of the day like yeah i feel sorry for both of them i mean particularly jigsaw but at the end of the day like all the self-righteousness all of the you know like i said the misguided life coach behavior where he's trying to get people to appreciate what they have at the end of the day he's just a bitter old man who's like mad that everyone else doesn't have cancer well, and like, and this one is unique in that th- not only that, which is a lot of like the impetus for uh, a lot of the traps that he sets up. Um, this is one of the first movies where the individuals that he jigsaws uh, deserve it. Well, they particularly wronged him specifically oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. him, and so it takes on more of the uh, the style of a revenge thriller because actually the first like. I don't know, 45 minutes when this is just like a, a cancer drama were honestly fairly interesting to me. Now I knew in the back of my head, like I understand how the other eight movies ahead of this are going to go. So like, I know that the surgery isn't going to work. Um, I know that when, you know, the, the, the baddies like kind of get the one up on him, I'm like, I know they can't win because there's eight other movies 
Uh, well, he's not alive in all of them, but he's at least alive in the next one. So he gets out of this stuff. And and that's fine. Like, I'm at least interested in how he gets out of it. You know, like a, any good, you can still watch Fight Club again, knowing the twist. It's just fun to see how it all plays out. So that's totally fine. Um, but it, it just was so silly. I don't know where it just, yeah. it was so, um, what's the word? Uh, what, what are those things called? Like, oh, Rube Goldberg-y, like with its whole uh, plot mechanisms. And and that is great fodder for comedy, for silliness, for like having a little bit of fun with it, for being a crowd pleaser, which is what Saw ultimately ultimately is. Yeah, 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 yeah. Back to your your last point about this one being a little bit more interesting in a way because there is like this actual like revenge drama going on. Mm-hmm. There's a bit of that in the first one where we find out that Doctor Gordon was his doctor failed to you know treat him in any material way and then we learned that uh that john kind of overheard him joking about it in oh uh, no yeah like he thought he was all the way under and like he's looking at the uh the x-rays and like all of his like assistants and nurses and colleagues are around him looking at it and he makes sort of like an off-color joke about john's chances of survival some gallows humor yeah exactly so like there's there's a touch of that in the first one but yeah this is the first one where they they go they swing for the fences as far as like hey let's do our best to plot this so that the victims in this actually are potentially even like morally as repugnant as jigsaw himself so I, i i appreciate that attempt to you know really position position amanda and jigsaw as the protagonist and and tobin bell's performance in this is like excellent excellent. especially in the first half yeah and for i mean he's an octogenarian and that dude's in his 80s and i do like the just the internal logic that since he's like you know on his way out like he's actively dying that it doesn't matter like he's believable he doesn't need any makeup or de-aging or anything like that this like 81 year old man is just appropriate for the part that's badass like i love seeing like anyone who's that of that advanced age like getting to really shine an elite Mm -hmm. role in a major motion picture like that's that's pretty rare what i love is like there's been a slight uptick of like I don't want to call them full, like vaguely thirst traps for Tobin Bell in the last oh, yeah. few weeks because it's like he was he was kind of a sweet old man. He's kind of given off uh, some good charisma out there. Yeah, yeah, totally. Um, I yeah, I really dig him. He's always brought a lot of class to these movies in in one way or another, and this is definitely the one where he gets to shine the most. So, ar- I would say arguably like the best part of this movie is just Tobin Bell. Mm-hmm. Uh. The traps in this movie. Ah, let's talk traps. Let's talk traps because for me, they're kind of lacking. Like they're kind of like they're not they're not quite as an, as imaginative as they they have been in other movies. Not oh. go ahead. Oh yeah. So I, I thought about that and I did like concede concede a little bit on that. It's like this is technically a second go round. He's, you know, still yeah. working on traps. Like even in the first saw, like there's really not a trap. He like not like, you know, a uh, an overly complicated like rig that was set up. It's just two guys stuck in a room. Uh he didn't really show off too too much of his like architecture and engineering degrees in the first yeah. movie. So I could understand that this is maybe one of his first like full goes at it. Uh the thing that like I felt was a little I don't want to call it cheap, and it's not really the movie's fault. It, I guess it's more the marketing's fault. Where I'm looking at the the poster right now, and the poster is really cool. Where it's got the guy with the tubes in his eyes, and they're crossing like an X for Saw X. Yeah. I'm like, oh, and, and I'm like going into the movie, I'm like, oh, what is that? I can't tell if those are like fluorescent light bulbs or something. Why does he have that stuck to his face? What's that gonna do? And it turns out to be from a dream sequence. Yeah, and I'm like, oh, but also yeah, I understand okay. because of the first 45 minutes is like this cancer drama. Like, yeah, you got to throw in a saw tra- there, yeah, yeah, you got to throw in a saw trap somewhere somehow. So he just, yeah, he's this guy like trying to steal a dying man's watch, and you see Tobin Bell like fantasizing about how he's gonna fuck him up in some like darkly like mustache twirling ironic way, and it's this yeah. trap where they shove the tubes in his eyes and suck the eyeballs out. Like, what what do you think about that one? Um. 
I thought it was kind of weak in that. Well, yeah, the, the, it being a dream sequence. Yeah, well, whatever, whatever. I can deal with that. Just sticking also, to it was the a rough draft. Itself. It was his first dream sequence. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, I was. I was. I mean, I was also very struck by the imagery of the eyeball sucking tubes. I was a little bit disappointed that the the eyeballs in it were like like just the actual you know interplay with the trap and the eyes was literally just like an execution method like there wasn't like subtext to the eye thing like he didn't have to, nothing really happened like like they weren't an integral part of the trap they were literally just the way he had devised to kill the guy if he didn't break his own fingers which by the way this guy fails one of the easiest traps in saw his oh yeah <laughs> once again like, corrupt craft it was his first idea i'm sure he would have added more to it yeah, and again, it's a dream sequence, right? In that moment, he's hating this kid. He wants to, like, imagine him dying. But at the same time, this kid could have just cranked that dial just once. It's all over with. Those That's broken bones will yeah. heal, and he'll get to be alive still, or at least have his <laughs> eyes still. So I thought that was a little disappointing. Um, this movie definitely had one of the traps, though, that, like, grossed me out the worst. And, like, Ooh, literally had me, like, just cringing, like, actually actively, like, twisting in my seat uh it was the bone marrow oh yeah yeah yeah. that one was, ah. Ooh, like just how like, like just like having bone marrow on screen at all is like i don't know if i've ever seen that in a horror say, movie like that this might be uh, my first experience with watching bone marrow uh extraction on screen. yeah and yeah and you they really um just like with the sound and the the woman's performance it's they sell it to them to the extreme and then you know she loses even though she damn she puts in quite an effort uh, and just she's just a little too slow but yeah actually like the shots of the bone marrow actually like resting on the scale oh my god fuck no like i didn't know what bone marrow looked like until it, yeah like, i don't know yeah i don't know if we, i don't know if we still do or not i would yeah. assume that these <laughs> folks are well researched um well but, speaking of research and this is why i can't watch a lot of movies with my girlfriend because she's a nurse so she actually understands anatomy very well and there's a lot of times where like something gruesome will happen. She's like, mm, no, that's not how that would work. Or like, oh, no, if that person did that, they would just be dead immediately. They wouldn't be walking like, you know, stuff like that. I'm like, just watch yeah. the movie. Yeah, but, uh, I have that. I have that, too. My, my So my wife is um, trained as a American Sign Language interpreter. And anytime there's ASL in a movie, she's like always pointing out how oh wrong that person sucks at signing like you can tell who like who actually knows how to sign and who practiced like that day to shoot this scene and it's like very distracting for her and she has to like make sure that i'm in on it too yeah it's like yeah give me my suspension of disbelief but exactly the, yeah. uh there are two traps that my suspension of disbelief like my my girl i watched on my own but my girlfriend's voice was in my head where i'm like that's this this just wouldn't work where the femur one oh uh, when she cut that it's like even with that tourniquet, you're bleeding out. You're dead. You're not getting out. Oh, now. yeah. Your femoral yeah. arteries cut by. Um, even, you know, because the idea is he's supposed to give them, like, if they succeed, they're supposed to be able to survive all these traps. Yeah. It's kind of like the the handshake of it all. It's like, nah, she if she even, if she won that trap, she's dead anyways. Uh, the other one is another trap that we can talk about is the guy with uh, knives for hands, where um, one of the drivers, and he's like one of the fake doctors, too, uh, he gets him first, you know, to get information to learn about the rest of the people that uh, where they are so he can round them up. And the trap they give him is a basically duct tape his hands into uselessness and have blades on either end. Then he puts two pipe bombs on his uh, forearms. And the trap is like, you got to, you know, dig your way into your own forearms and pull out both pipe bombs, push them away when they blow up. Now they won't blow up all over you. OK, go. Um, and I was thinking that as he was like ripping through his first forearm and getting it out, it's like you just tore through all your muscle, all your ligaments, all your nerve endings, anything that makes your forearm or the rest of your arm works. You just now have a limp noodle for an arm yeah. that you're going to now use as a as a blade and a digging device. It's like you're not going to be able to do that, um, which once again, if I'm worrying about anatomical correctness and accuracy in a saw movie, I'm doing saw wrong. Um, but even, even on the other side, like. I can put the suspension of disbelief aside for how the fuck dying John Kramer built all of these things in probably the span of like four or five days. Fine. Don't care about that. I would love to see the Home Depot receipts, but don't care about that. But I always felt like the traps themselves are actually pretty committed to making them, you know, very real, very gruesome, very like 
keeping that handshake going of if they succeed, they could live. They would just be really yeah. mutilated. Yeah, um, I think I think it's Saw two or three where that becomes a problem where John Kramer starts making traps that they couldn't have survived. Well, no, anything. it's 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 Amanda. It's either Amanda or Detective Hoffman. I forget which one, but one of the protege. Oh, it's Hoffman. It's Hoffman. One, yeah, one of the protege. Like it's revealed towards the end of the movie that it's actually Hoffman doing the traps, and like that's why they were unwinnable. Is that like, he's just out for revenge for one reason or another? I I, I could be remembering it could like I and I think it's usually it's Amanda who like really is a stick in the mud of like no 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 these have to be winnable or mm -hmm. like the whole thing like doesn't work like she's the like the true protege and like hoffman is the naughty one and <laughs> yeah in this one it does kind of seem like even jigsaw is like disobeying his own his own dicta yeah because with the uh the radiation one too which the other uh, the problem i have with the radiation one is like it's not a very visual trap like I under like I understood what it was and that it's very dangerous and that it's fucking her up really bad. But like all it is, you just see this giant machine. It just turns orange. And just goes. Ooh. Yeah. It's like I mean, this is a visual medium. Like give me give me something like a little more exciting that way. But also, even if she survived that one, well, she did technically survive it, and then the big bad snapped her neck. That's right. <laughs> um, but like she's got cancer. She's dead. Like she ain't oh, yeah. been through that one. No, the, uh, the, the, the traps left a lot to be desired in this one on a happier note. Like what's, what are the saw trap? What's the saw trap or saw traps that stick out the most in your mind is like memorable, creative, uh, you know, oh. extra cringy. I mean, what, what, what are your favorites? I mean, sometimes simplicity is the best and it's the very final one where it's, uh, it, it, it kind of fits into what I was looking for is like, let's just twirl our mustaches as hard as we can. Let's get, Oh. silly gory <laughs> goofy and don't do they explicitly say or it's like we're not gonna waterboard you we're gonna bloodboard you yeah they literally say bloodboard and i'm Wait, like that's all oh, bloodboard fuck yeah let's bloodboard and they they bloodboard a small child a child <laughs> yeah with the heart of gold we saw him practicing soccer he was a sweet boy and that's that's what i want from a 10th saw is just Make the evil people eviler. Make the depravity more depraved. Like make the the gruesome, like hilariously over the top gruesome. And the the bloodboarding gave that to me. Gotcha. What what are the? Uh, I mean, just in general, going like thinking back to the whole series, like what? Uh, which ones stick out? Stick out oh, to you? It's it's the classic one that. Uh, and on my my prep for this, when I've been listening to people do Saw retrospectives or Saw 10 specifically, I listened to some about Saw and Saw 2 just so I could like get my bearings too. It's the needle pit trap. That one yeah. is so like, oh, that one hurts. And I did learn like a fun behind the scene things where um the set designers, set designers, if, is that what I would call them? The people that set up the traps? Would they be set designers? Sure. Yeah. The trap designers. Um, they took real hypodermic needles removed the needles and i think it was upwards of like ten thousand of them and Whoa. switched them with uh little leds uh so that are harmless so like thousands and thousands of harm like harmless needles that someone hand switched out and i got to give a ton of kudos to that because the effect was definitely worth it yeah gotcha what about you jared um i definitely go back to saw three i mentioned earlier that saw three had the like the, just the like real 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 bad ones um <laughs> uh yeah so it has the one that that scared you away from saw that you saw with the mm. thing hooked into the the detective lady's ribs and they get pulled out uh that movie starts off with one that oh it gets me every time is where this guy is chained up in like a classroom and he's got a whole bunch of hooks in his body. Oh, yeah. There's a bomb nearby, and he has to pull them out to escape the room. And the last one is literally hooked into his jawbone. And it's like, what the fuck? And he tries, he, he like does successfully pull it out and break his own jaw. And like, and then he just blows up anyway because we find out the door's been welded shut. And now it's jogging my memories that uh, the twist in that one is that Amanda. Is has been doing all the traps, and she doesn't. She doesn't believe in Jigsaw's philosophies anymore, and she's making them unwinnable. But the one, the one that gets me the worst is the rack, which I think is generally considered 
like the most memorable saw trap and it's where um the there's a guy who is strapped to a machine that will basically slowly twist all of his limbs off oh yeah and ending with his head and uh if you remember saw three the 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 main conceit is like the main character his like daughter or his son had been killed in a car crash and all of the people in the games are people that somehow contributed to her death and he has to decide if he's going to help them or not right mm-hmm. actually kind of like an interesting like you know moral conundrum in saw three um but yeah uh like there's a uh there's basically like a key that the guy has to reach into to grab to pull it out and if he does a, a shotgun will shoot his hand and he just doesn't and the guy slowly has all of his limbs twisted off and um that shit like made me sick like i remember <laughs> actually like my stomach actually turning cringing in my seat not able to look at it um and yeah saw three definitely was like the series peak of just how fucked the traps are and uh and that's narratively you know that's on purpose because amanda is making them unwinnable while jigsaw is literally like on his deathbed Mm -hmm. and then of course that has a great twist at the end too where we find out all at once that jigsaw himself also somehow contributed to the guy's daughter's death and then he's basically like i'm right here you can kill me if you want and then he does then we find out that the guy's fucking exploding necklace is tied to jigsaw's biometrics the guy takes his revenge he dies himself or like his his wife dies or something it is a whole convoluted mess but anyway saw three Peak soap opera. You love yeah, that. yeah, yeah, yeah. Saw three just kind of kicks ass, and that was the last really good one up until Saw Ten. <laughs> and and I always love it. Um, this one too, and you know, the, it kind of couldn't be helped where they kind of have to telegraph the the twist a little bit earlier, where you see like the bloodboarding involved two people, and from the get-go, like the moment I saw there were two people, I'm like, Oh, oh, they saw this all coming. And once again, like it it can be a problem in horror movies where you have to make people really fucking dumb for the plot to work where by the time the two big bads uh get in uh oh what are their names it's a sinova sinova lund i it's swedish i'm american so oh yeah she's good too yeah no she's excellent and she's twirling her mustache uh real hard um her and uh is it Mateo uh, Octavio Martinez? Is he the other one? Yeah, uh, the both. guy. Oh, Stephen Brand is is the guy that plays. Uh, oh, sorry, like her, yeah, her, her her secret boyfriend. But uh, yeah, when they like go, they like see all the bloodboarding, and there's two of them on the the bloodboarding seesaw, and it's not until they go like they get bored somehow with the bloodboarding, like eh, you know. This is kind of boring. We're gonna go up and get the money. It's like, no, I'm gonna watch. I'm gonna watch this guy that fucked me over die from getting bloodboarded first, and then I'm gonna get the money. But they, you know, they run up, and then you, you hear Stephen Brand's character uh, say something like, "Uh, wait, hold on. Why was there two? Like that doesn't make any sense. <laughs> like, oh, now you thought of that? Like, come on, come on. Yeah, that is a little silly." <laughs> Which is fine. Or a, a lot and silly. And I'm fine with like characters being dumb and silly and campy yeah. in movies, but like just let the something about the tone reflect it, that too, or everything else is so serious. Yeah. Uh here's a bone I have to pick. Uh no, another another pun. Um <laughs> is uh he he just let what's her name? Dr. Cynthia like just uh live at the end, it seems like. I think we're gonna get Saul 1.75 where he yeah yeah the, she, or he's gonna recruit her to be another one of his proteges. Well, I am, and then we'll find we'll find out that she was really behind Saw's four through six. Oh my god! I mean, it's not off the table for this kind of plotting. Um, I also do have a, a I would be tickled pink that if they have Saw 11 fought like is now the latest installment. It's like up to the current day. And it turns out the the precious little Mexican child is one of his mm-hmm. proteges that he's been raising. Yeah, since and now he's Mexico. like in his yeah, now he's like in his twenties or early thirties or something. And now he's like, maybe he's maybe he is now a detective who's like going after. I, I don't even know. Like, I'm pretty sure Amanda and Detective Hoffman are no longer alive by by like spiral time, right? 
I don't I don't even remember. I, yeah, I'm I would need a PhD thesis to have all of this lined up. Yeah, and you know, okay, so there's gonna be a Saw 11. A Saw at, at this point, I mean, there's probably enough goodwill from from Saw 10 that they probably got a few of them, right? Like they've got <laughs> they've got folks good graces for a few of them. And and look, I mean, it, it's making bank. Like one of, one of the cooler things about this movie is that it really does have the appearance like it could have been made in like 2005. Yeah. And one of the results there of like kind of that aesthetic continuity is the movie only cost like $11 million to make. And it's already breezing past like 40 as, as of, you know, a week since it's release um, week and a half since it's release or, or, or something. Um, and yeah, I mean, it, it's definitely all, already profitable. It's going to continue doing decent numbers through October. It'll plummet off the face of the earth on November 1st. But uh, yeah, there's going to be a Saw 11. And now I'm like, wow, what? where do they go from here? Like, I mean, I would assume they, to, if Tobin Bell is still kind of physically able, that they'll just kind of continue the, the like requel timeline and just continue to like, tell side stories would be my hope but if not i really wonder like what kind of just insane shit they come up with yeah and that's uh kind of interesting more with the the idea of saw generally maybe we should have led with this but now we're more on the back end talking about it is like when saw burst on the scene on like i think it's 2004 uh for the the full film not the uh the short film saw or like the proof of concept saw um it was sort of at the end of the slasher era and it was sort of picking up that mantle, I would say. I mean, is yeah. that fair to say? Um, but it's doing it interestingly from the view of the victims, which you hadn't really gotten to too much of in the slasher, or at least at the point of slashers that we were in, where it was very much about like your Freddies, your Jasons, your Michael Myers, like they're the stars of the show. Um, at least the first couple saws. Now it's very much about John Kramer. But the first couple saws, you were really focusing on the the pain and the torture of the victims uh, within the slasher genre, which I think was a good way to keep it going. Uh, but now I wonder, like, I guess I, I guess the numbers themselves can answer the question. But like, is there still space for slashers in twenty twenty three, or something like Saw, or something in the torture porn? Uh, sort of genre um clearly there's at least enough for saw to keep going but i really wonder in the current horror landscape like can stuff like this keep pumping out yeah well i mean this movie's successful this there's going to be a scream seven no doubt which will also make bank just like screams five and six did over the last couple of years i have my um, opinions about that well, they, I mean, they're not great movies, but they're, they're, they're still making money and they still keep getting greenlit. I know Jason Blum uh, is now speaking really seriously about doing his best to reboot Friday the 13th, which is kind of in dire need of a reboot. It's been like 14 years without a Friday the 13th movie. Uh, there's going to be a young Jason TV series that... Um, Will it air uh, after Young Sheldon? <laughs> uh, i would love to see young jason versus young <laughs> oh i think i would hate every second of that well it would be 15 seconds long and it would actually be kind of cool to look at <laughs> um well okay i guess yeah. uh, the more important question or the other the, the real question i'm asking is like yeah there's all these legacy slasher franchises that are that are still pumping out like films 13 14 and 15 but what about the idea of like a new slasher or like a yeah. fresh take on the slasher? 100%. Yeah, that's happening currently right now with Art the Clown from Terrifier, Terrifier mm. 2. Terrifier 3 is currently in pre-production, might even be in production. Well, no, it won't it won't be until SAG, the SAG strike ends. But yeah, I mean Terrifier 2 surprised the hell out of everyone with like a tiny budget. It, it costs like a quarter million to make made like 15 16 million in a limited release last year uh now terrifier 3 has like a budget 10 you know 10 times that like 2.5 million or something and it's going to get a wide release and those movies are just balls to the wall like here's an enigmatic masked slasher villain 
dispatching teenagers in just unspeakably gruesome ways and uh, have at it. And um, yeah, I think there's still room. And I think those that, that's the prime example is is Art the Clown being an actual new, you know, future Hall of Famer in the slasher mm. slasher realm. And yeah, I, I think that we're we're probably at a point right now where that those types of old school sort of campy slashers that don't have the you know the meta layer like Scream does. I think folks are have an appetite for it now because we haven't had that in so long. Yeah, and that's what as you were saying that that kind of got my uh, got me thinking where you know that's why this uh, something like Scream can be a fresh new slasher in the '90s because you had had these franchises like you know kicking off with texas chainsaw and halloween friday the 13th where they're very straight horrors they're very uh you know there's no wink wink nudge nudge about it and then scream is the point where it starts getting self-aware starts getting what i would say postmodern, starts getting ironic um so at what point does the ironic slasher start to crumble under its own weight and now something i, I mean i guess you could call it like meta modern and like this new wave of uh uh relationship to irony that we have burst through and i don't know what a slasher would look like in that face where it's like it's still aware of its irony and it still is kind of at arm's length but still is like really sincere and earnest like in spite of it or because of that irony yeah i really don't know what like that's such an interesting writing challenge to make a slasher with that sensibility. And if the, if there's a movie like that, uh, please tweet at me. I would love to see oh. that. Or if you think there's a film like that, like I would really be interested in checking that out. Terrifier too. Do you, oh, it has that. Okay. Well, I mean, well, well, yeah. So Art the Clown is like he's enigmatic. He's larger than life. He's unkillable. He's he dispatches his victims in ways that are far more gruesome than the average slasher like terrifier 2 would not land an r rating like it 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 miraculously got a semi-wide release with a really kick-ass distribution deal with the big theaters uh in spite of it being just awfully grotesque (laughs) um but art himself is a, a clown and he is seems to be aware that he is above the law in these movies Mm. like he doesn't speak he doesn't actually like address the audience like deadpool does but like deadpool he seems to be self-aware and know that like he is the villain and he revels in it he knows he can't be stopped because he's a slasher villain but he's the only one in on the joke Um, like him and the him and the audience and um it's really fun like the, the guy that plays him and uh, he's named David Thornton. If you'd look that up, that'd be awesome. Uh, has so much fun with it. He reminds me of almost like a young Jim Carrey. Uh, David Howard and Thornton, yeah. David Howard Thornton. Yeah, Art, Art the Clown potentially could be on that Mount Rushmore of slasher villains someday. And uh, I really hope he is. I like those movies. Uh, <laughs> most people probably couldn't stomach them, but who knows? Saw 10's making bank, and uh, it's really gruesome terrifier 2 did well it's really gruesome maybe people are uh are into that again like they haven't been since i was in its heyday you know huh. 15 uh, years ago yeah. uh, you're saying that like uh terrifiers had mixed reviews right it's, it's one of my favorite spreads when i look at a film on letterboxd where it's got like the there it, most of them sit between two and three stars but then the people that love it, so three and a half and up, and the people that really didn't dig it, one and a half and down, are about the same. And I'm like, ooh, that, yeah. that means uh, very divisive. Very, Skin and Rink actually has a very similar spread. Uh, yeah, very, very different movies. Uh, yeah, <laughs> Terrifier 2 is, I could see it because it's ambitious. It's like two and a half hours long. It's got a lot of plot. It has a lot of mythology. Uh, the kills are just so many bridges too far not just one a bridge too far several bridges too far way beyond the pale any other what you know coin of phrase you want to put at that terrifier 2 is just has sickening kills and yeah i would recommend that you watch it if you're wanting like a you know a, a gruesome movie that kind of tests the limits on gore that also features you know a uh a, a feature feature legend 
a slasher villain in a, in a post postmodern world. Hmm. Terrifier too, and I'm just gonna say that's my recommendation. I was about like, to say, like, do just want to count that for your recommendation here. I'm gonna, yeah, I'm gonna count that for my recommendation because I think it occupies a similar space as Saw, but art art definitely tortures his victims uh, a lot more than your average slasher does, and uh, you know, Jigsaw is kind of a, a latter day slasher icon, and I think Art the Clown might be on his heels. Huh. Okay. Um. Yeah. Now I'm. I, I was just looking them up. They are available and. I haven't uh, checked out the first one. Uh, the, the first one's not as good. I Man, mean, it's 86 it, it's, minutes. I can knock it out. Yeah, it's real short. It does. It does have at least one kill that is pretty legendary at this point, and it actually does plot-wise matter. So yeah, I mean, it, it's not nearly as good, but yeah, if you're gonna watch Verifier two, you might as well just go full yeah, board I mean, on I'll it. Knock out the first one. So that actually, eh, that's not something my girlfriend want to watch. <laughs> Uh, I think we're going to be watching, watching Haunted, Haunted Mansion after this, a much more uh, powerful oh, fun. film. But yeah, my recommendation for uh, against Saw 10 would be a third installment in a beloved horror franchise that I think fully understands that, you know, this isn't high art. We're not trying to win Oscars. We're just trying to entertain the hell out of you. Like, we all know why you're here. And it is Sam Raimi's army of darkness Ooh. what a fun fucking time oh man i could watch that movie probably once a day every day mm. i have so mm. much fun watching army of mm. darkness <laughs> mm. one of my all-time favorite movies we'll do it on the pot at some point uh and i will try my hardest not to just spend the entire time just quoting it <laughs> My uh, God, what, what is it? Uh, you wouldn't, uh, your simple mind wouldn't understand uh, all of my modern. Uh, oh, I forget what exactly it says, but yeah, he's like, he's like, yeah, your primitive intellect wouldn't like wouldn't understand things with like wouldn't extend compounds and things with molecular structures and <laughs> uh, he just kind of trails off, uh, or just hail to the king, baby. Or uh, I like when he when the girl gets abducted by the flying deadite and everyone's panicking and he's like. He he's like he's like all right. You all can cry. You all can run home and cry to mama, but not me. I'm finished running. And then King Arthur's like, "Tell me, are all men from the future loudmouth braggarts?" And he answers, "Just just me, baby. Just me." <laughs> so good. And like the movie is never goes more than a few minutes without a great line like that and yeah that's bruce campbell at his absolute peak it's it's the um, only place that another evil dead movie could have gone because like you know the first two the second one's pretty much a remake of the the first one yeah but just and, with the silly silliness yeah, attached to it it's sillier and you know there's so many other things if you went back to the drawing board said i want to make an evil dead three there's like so many conventional or the the easier way to go it's like okay let's yeah. just follow the story through and some some fucking madman was like, "What if we sent him to medieval times?" Yeah, a lot. Like, it's all Sam and Ted Raimi, who you know, <laughs> and and Bruce Campbell, the three of them masterminding that. And and yeah, I mean, obviously it was planned ahead of time because that's how Evil Dead Two ends. Yeah, is with that one of those first scenes from Army of Darkness, and and one of I I mean just one of the most confounding decisions ever imposed upon a movie by an executive team is that uh the the financiers or like the executive producers of that movie other than sam raimi or who, whoever it was like the exec at the at the studio or what have you would not let him name the movie medieval dead which is what ridiculous that's that the, the easiest mo- thing to do yeah i mean it's it's like obvious and clever and perfect and that's what the movie is and no army of darkness was the more palatable title title for the studio to to uh you know give the green light on but Ramey and 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 campbell they were able to attach bruce campbell's name to the official title because so the movie is called bruce campbell versus the army of darkness and that was what the studio was okay with instead of medieval dead Idiots. As we're Idiots. seeing in 2023 in full form, uh, studio executives, not cool guys, big nerds. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, huge nerds. 
I, I really, really want uh, Sam Raimi to keep making Evil Dead movies with Bruce Campbell. It like, breaks my heart that, that Bruce keeps saying he's too old. But uh, Ash versus the Evil Dead. Uh, oh. If you if you're a fan of Army of Darkness and you haven't seen the series Ash versus the Evil Dead, it is it is excellent. Um, Tobin Bell shows that you can keep doing this shit well into your 80s. Yeah, yeah, and you know, Brucey Bruce ain't that old, but the the role is also a lot more physical. Hey, Harrison Ford shows that you can sleepwalk your way through an action flick. <laughs> yeah, but Bruce Campbell has class and dignity. And- <laughs> You know, he cares about these movies, right? There's a big difference there. <laughs> All right, uh, we've got of, so far off the deep end. It was like a little bit of Harrison Ford off. slander on the back end of this episode about Saw 10 somehow. Yeah, Harrison Ford's a grumpy guy. Oh, well. <laughs> but everyone's got to pay their rent, so you got to pop up an Indiana Jones movie every once in a while. Oh, Tobin Bell would make an excellent nazi villain in an indiana jones movie oh i'd watch that he was the villain in one of the first seasons of 24 excellent he was an antagonist in an episode of seinfeld also excellent and then jigsaw and those are kind of the three things i know tobin bell as <laughs> and uh all bangers he knows what he's doing oh yeah we are yeah we, we've lost the plot at this point <laughs> yeah and it doesn't matter wrap it up. we're yeah we're wrapping up this is the end of the episode Thanks for being here for Concessions. I'm Jared. And I'm Dan. And think twice before you get the installment of a 10th movie next time, please.